welcome everybody uh thank you for bearing with us as we had to postpone this show for a week due to the sudden and unfortunate events that occurred last week um ladies and gentlemen welcome to an edition of off the top presented to you by rivet city radio this is career retrospectives with me as always we got the bearded bastard up here shadow what's going on guys <laughs> um over on my, uh, I don't know how it's laid out on Twitch right now, but uh, Alpha Wolf Sean is in here. Everybody say hi. He's the biggest buck mark, apparently. All right. And then, as always, the hungest of the bucks. Nice to see you guys. Um, Before we kick off, though, yeah. just to prove that he is the biggest mark of the hung bucks, Scal's backstage, if you will, present the evidence of Exhibit A. Hey. That is Generation Me, Young Bucks, bro. It's like... What's up? Okay, okay. <laughs> let's just uh, let's just move past how ungodly young you look. Uh, but anyways, if you haven't figured it out, tonight's topic for the first time, we are actually going to take on a tag team. Um, pretty easy tag team to take on to start off with, but it is the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. Um. They've gotten, I don't even know how to put this into words with the kind of impact that they've had on professional wrestling, just the two of them even. Um, they've revolutionized tag team wrestling across the world over the last two decades, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon because they just continue to build their legacy with great match after great match after great fucking match. Um, so before we kind of get into this whole discussion amongst my peers here, uh, we're going to kind of give you a little bit of a background on them. Um, if you guys, Sean... Shadow, if you guys want to chime in at any time with some information that I might not be, I might not have, please do. Just let me know. Um, the the real names are actually Matt and Nick, which is kind of you know different for pro wrestlers. I don't know if you know what what was it. Kenny Omega's name was like Tyson something. Mm-hmm. Um, such weird changes that people make to their names. But their last name is actually Massey. They are actually from California. Um, they're about four years apart. Um, in 2001, when they were about 16 and 13, I think that was the ages I saw when I read that. Um, yeah. I don't know if many people noticed this. Like I said, I, uh, I've read the book recently too. So, um, I believe it's Matt. That's the oldest one. Yeah. Yeah. Matt would be the oldest one on one of it. I believe it's his right bicep. He has a, a scar from when he was born when they did a c-section on his mom they cut too far and they ended up grazing him in the process so he has a scar on one of his biceps i did not know that interesting um it was a very traumatic experience for the family at the time right i mean you don't know what's going to happen after that anything could have happened it could have gotten infected they could have lost his he could have lost his arm something like that Um, that's terrifying i didn't know that um i do know that they did have a young, well, they do have a younger brother whose name is Malachi, who was also a wrestler for a while, but he retired because of injuries. I think is what it was that I read. Yeah, um, I think that's right. And they so also have an older like, sister as well. Not important. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Damn. Damn. It's because she's not a wrestler. All right. God. Okay. Um, so uh, their parents actually built a wrestling ring for them in their backyard. Um, their dad was involved with the business a lot, as Shadow mentioned to me earlier, which I did not see when I was researching, but that makes sense. <laughs> um, they actually just used the ring to emulate what they saw on TV. They were huge wrestling fans from a very young age. Um, they actually began training as teenagers for a company called Revolution Pro Wrestling. Uh, their first professional match happened in August of 2004 when they were still just like 19 and 17 years old. Um At the age of 19, Matt Jackson actually opened up his own independent promotion, which kind of the name of it, High Risk Wrestling, just kind of fits the Young Bucks, like 100%. And in the the year 2005, they actually began calling themselves the Young Bucks for the first time. Does anyone, do either of you know what they called themselves before that? Um, I forgot to put it in my notes, so I don't remember off the top of my head. I'll have to go back and look, but... It was something fucking weird. One of them had like a, they had some weird gimmicks. Um, I don't remember. I'll have to look it up and I'll, I'll bring it back to you guys. 
Um, I'm trying to remember. I just it, it's it's there because I literally just read the book. Like I said recently, right. I just can't remember. They had weird off the wall gimmicks when they first started. It was bizarre. That's what I remember reading. They're um, also very religious people, like extremely mm-hmm. religious people. Oh yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the exposure that they got from their promotion because they were in California. California has got a big wrestling scene, obviously. Um, they were kind of scouted by other companies like the NWA. Um, NWA actually gave them their very first televised match, and it was against two wrestlers known as Carl Anderson and Joey Ryan in a tag team match. Um, that exposure from NWA allowed them to go pretty much all over the world from that point. They went to basically between 2007 and 2018, the Young Bucks appeared regularly for Ring of Honor, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, uh, New Japan and a bunch of other independents all around the world. And they were feuding with teams such as the Briscoes, Kevin Steen and El Generico, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, the Time Splitters, which I forgot about the Time Splitters until I was doing this research. Um, Alex Shelley and Kushida, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. They were awesome, but I have to go back and watch some of their matches with the Young Bucks because I never saw any other matches with the Bucks. So before we continue, I'm just yeah. throwing in little tidbits of like – things miss like not, not that you missed please, anything what no, i'm saying is like because we're building the timeline here um a lot of people don't know that sky not sky blue scorpio sky um is actually a longtime friend of the young bucks he he was also involved heavily in their promotion back when they were teenagers um carl anderson was around too because you know being a california kid himself they, they they've met paths before they were televised so like it was really cool and like I'm sure we'll cross. I'm sure Nate will get there. And I'm not going to mention any more because there's a lot more. But when we get to certain timeline pieces, I'll jump in. So they, they, they also, on one of their very first shows, they, they booked Christopher Daniels as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's another yep. person. Yeah. That, yeah. And this is exactly why I asked them to chime in on this because it's impossible to get everything on people who have been in the business as long as like the Bucks have. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I just found what their original gimmicks were. Their original gimmicks, Matt worked as Fluffy the Dog. Oh, my God. That was his ring name. And Nick Jackson was a high-flying referee that wore a Santo mask, which is very similar <laughs> to the kind of mask that El Generico wore. So it's like this, like, almost designless luchador mask. Right. And also, Kazarian is also friends of the Young Bucks from a young age as well. Yep. Um, Thank you, Katie. Their good friend Dustin Cutler wrestled as a uh, a hillbilly. Yeah, uh, both Cutler brothers were heavy influences with the Young Bucks when they were younger as well. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Um, from that time period and between 2007 and 2018, they won tag team championships all over the place, as you could imagine. Pretty much every company they went to. Um, in 2013, they joined up with the Bullet Club. And that was kind of what made their careers just absolutely explode because it was right Pausing on the you back. again. Pausing no, no, you're you again. good. And I, and I know this is different from the normal retrospects we do, but Nate gave us free reign to jump in tonight. Absolutely. Um, so preluding to the, the Bullet Club stuff, um, Matt and Nick Jackson, being young men in the world of professional wrestling, ventured over to Japan for the first time in what they gave them, called themselves the culture suck of a lifetime. They wrestled in like holes in the wall places, dreaming of the Tokyo Dome, dreaming of, I can't remember the other stadium now that's huge over there. Um, you know, they wrestled, there was at one point, I believe this was in Japan. I could be wrong. It could have been happened in California, but they also wrestled on just the floor one night because the ring collapsed. Like mm. prior matches had ruined the ring. Like it was, it was crazy. Um, there was, there was times where, uh, the Bucks were homesick, of course. Uh, they couldn't go, you know, they had they ate off basically McDonald's because, you know, I believe it's Nick that's allergic to seafood. So, and a lot of Japanese food is based around seafood. So, McDonald's was really their home meal. Um, after their first tour, uh, Matt, Nick's, Matt's girlfriend was still there waiting for him. Nick's girlfriend was not. She couldn't <laughs> handle the fact that he was gone for so long that she left him and it absolutely devastated Nick. Yes, and that's what and that's that, that's what I said. Will is like 
I have read the book and I can fill in some spots and tell people about some stuff, which is great for the career retrospective episode. Nate's giving the hard hitting actual right. timeline stuff and I can fill in little details. Right. And I have a, I have a whole list of fun facts that so, I'm going to go through too. And I know, I know you saw them on the outline. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if you were going to go over their, their TNA run um, that led up to them. It was bad, but not yeah, their it, fault. that, the, you know, that's why the, they went out and joined and new Japan is because they, they had such this, this run in TNA, which wasn't their, their, their favorite thing because eventually they wanted them to Jeremy and they were called Jeremy and, um, something buck i forgot the other name but they wanted him to break up and, and fight each other and they were like no so we're, they, they, they took their ball and went to new japan and obviously and even before we're, we're like when they were just like baby wrestlers if you will we'll call them that for better lack of term right. um they would come out to the hansons mbop because they wanted the crowd to accept them and not let them know that they, they take it seriously but not they don't take themselves seriously they right. take the wrestling business seriously, but not themselves. So that was that was a cool little thing. But anyways, we go on with our story of New Japan Bullet Club. Right? <laughs> um, so I mean, Bullet Club is one of those. It's one of those factions that you just you hear the name, you know exactly where they are, who they are. They've been in New Japan for well over a decade, and they've dominated the the scene over there for. I mean, for for the longest time, New Japan was this how do I put this? Like there was so many very traditional, um, they were set in their ways and there was not a lot of outsiders came in and made changes. They completely flipped that company on its, like on its head. And new Japan has grown exponentially since then and become this just honestly a pro wrestling juggernaut at this point, new Japan is legitimately a pro wrestling juggernaut, especially since Japan has such a big wrestling scene. There's nothing bigger than new Japan over there. Um, excuse me. So basically, what's up? The Bucks uh, branded uh, a young superstar that we all know now at the, the, you know, the Rainmaker, Okada, at a very young age. So that that was cool. Oh hell yeah! Um, in two thousand, I think it was yeah, two thousand sixteen. Um, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, who was also in the Bullet Club with them at the time, pitched an idea to the officials at higher, you know, the higher ups in New Japan of them forming like a subgroup of Bullet Club. New Japan was completely against this. They didn't want that. They thought Bullet Club needed to stay its own entity and nothing needed to change that. What's up, Allison? So on the night that AJ Styles was booted out of Bullet Club, we talked about this a little bit in the Kenny Omega career retro, but we're going to hit on it again because the Young Bucks were just as important to this, obviously. Um, the Bullet Club attacked AJ Styles, left them lying, and as they were heading back to the back, the Bucks and Kenny Omega decided to turn around and keep attacking him. Against New Japan's wishes, they just kept attacking AJ Styles over and over again. After that, they basically became known as the Elite. The Elite that we know today... The elite that we love today, most of us. If you don't love the elite, you're wrong. It's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so basically, the elite happened because they wanted to change the game. Bullet Club was kind of stagnant at that point. It was basically just cycling through leaders still. Finn Balor, then AJ Styles. And then, you know, then we got the Young Bucks in there and Kenny Omega kind of putting a wrinkle into it. So now we've got the Bullet Club. And then we've got this subgroup that's still in the Bullet Club what they call themselves the elite. It was, it was new territory and it was, what are you talking about? What do you want? Scals? What is he saying? Yes. in the chat? We'll, we'll listen to him. <laughs> um, infamously in 2017, good old Dave Schmelter claimed that an independent wrestling show. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to pause again. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm kind of throwing it back. It's a great little story here. Um, yeah. So early in the 2010s, the young bucks had the opportunity to go to WWE and be extras. Um, they went to a Monday Night Raw, and Mike, Shawn Michaels gave them the quote-unquote rub to with backstage crew, but they never went anywhere. Um, I believe that was the time they came out as DX as well. Uh, as DX, excuse me. Or as Allison calls them, animated DX. Um, 
so yeah, but the reason they got that rub with Shawn Michaels in the back, and I'm gonna, I'm sure Nate's gonna touch on this because he absolutely wants to slaughter this man, is because of Shawn Michaels' partner back in the '80s and '90s. I'm not gonna mention the name. We'll, we'll just keep. Whoops! <laughs> it's fine. It's not that controversial. We're good. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, there was they went. They were told to come back for SmackDown, which was being filmed Tuesdays at that point. Showed up the next day. Nobody knew who they were because obviously Raw and SmackDown different crews. Right. So the Bucks felt defeated, and they were like, "Why are we here?" You know. So. Well, yeah. Um. There we go. So, 2017, this is kind of where things completely changed forever, as we know it. Good old idiot dirt sheet writer Dave Schmelzer uh, decided to make a claim that an independent wrestling show could never sell out a 10,000-seat venue. Cody Rhodes, as we know, and the Young Bucks, they took that personally. They said, fucking watch us. <laughs> so they organized... The very first edition of All In, which has since become one of the major pay-per-views every year for AEW. But at this, to- at this point, AEW didn't exist yet. So it was this independent promotion. They went to uh, Chicago, Illinois, because of course they did. Um, <laughs> and uh, the official attendance actually ended up being 11,263. So that is the biggest possible fuck you they could have ever done to Dave Meltzer just because they could. That was the and they also one. named one of their finishers the Meltzer Driver just to fuck with them. Yep, absolutely. Um, as, as we know, the success of All In actually led to the creation of AEW with the Bucks and Omega and Cody Rhodes as executive vice presidents. Cody Rhodes obviously is gone now. Um, since the formation of AEW, the Bucks have won the tag titles twice. Yeah. This is, AEW, this is relevant to this era of the conversation. Before yeah. AEW started, there was heavy conversations between Kenny Omega, the Bucks, Triple H, along the side. I have that, I have that in here. Oh, my bad. I'm just throwing yeah. it in here. No, no, you're here. good. You're good. Actually, we'll, we'll throw this out there, too. Um, so, in 2018, before All Elite Wrestling actually became a thing, Triple H offered all three members of the Elite, so Matt and Nick Jackson and Kenny Omega, multi-million dollar and multi-year contracts with $500,000 signing bonuses attached to each person. Which was guaranteed. Yes, to join WWE. Matt Jackson even approached Triple H with this special project, presented it to him with uh, Nick, his brother Nick, and Kenny Omega, and Tony Khan. The idea was initially for AEW to be a subsidiary of WWE. I read that and that blew my fucking mind. They went to Triple H and Vince McMahon first before they're like, fuck it, we'll do it on our own. Um, so they actually were at a point where they weren't going to do all elite wrestling. I don't know if they had the name for it at that point yet, but they just wanted this subsidiary. Um, trying to turn that shit. All in? Uh, no, it's not. I've seen, I had people that went there too. I, no. <laughs> um, anyway. I saw pictures, dude. It's there was ten thousand or at least ten thousand people there. Um, so the Young Bucks had actually, independent from Kenny Omega, decided that they were going to join WWE um, because Tony Khan did not have any concrete plans for what AEW was going to be at the time. So their mother, Joyce Massey, <laughs> actually talked both of them into joining Tony Khan, saying that they were always destined to forge their own path. And that they've made a career out of betting themselves, betting on themselves. So if it wasn't for Joyce Massey, AEW would not exist. Very super religious woman. Exactly. That, she really kinda, that blew my mind when I read that too, because that I didn't think that they were that close to signing. Right. Like, they apparently it, had it, essentially <laughs> decided to sign, but their mom talked them out of it. Right. And weren't they gonna like? They were saying like they wanted Hangman with them too, didn't they? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. they they were um, and they were going to go straight to the main roster. They weren't going to go no NXT route. They were going to go straight to the main roster, <clears throat> kind of like uh, Gallows and Anderson did when they came over. They went straight to the main roster and attacked everybody. Oh, I loved that. <laughs> That's another tag team we're going to have to do is Gallows and Anderson at some point. 
Um, <laughs> oh, boy. That's going to be fun. Um, so in their career in AEW, they've pretty much been a standard bearer of the tag team division. They're two-time tag champions, two-time trios champions with some controversy. Um, and they put on match of the year candidates every single time they get into the ring for a big match. They understand to tone it down a little bit just on regular shows, which is good. That way they're not, you know, fucking dying all the time. <laughs> um, but since then they've won the, you know, they've won tag titles in New Japan, Ring of Honor, Pro Wrestling, AEW, AAA, Dragon Gate, you name it. Um, this is kind of the part where I want to label or jump over to the, uh, I think, so Allison says, yeah, but we never ever see them. I think that's because now they're at a point where maybe they don't want to be wrestling every single week. And they're at a point where they kind of want to help put over the rest of the tag division, which I'm perfectly okay with. I think they're um, just fine getting the money, you know? Right. Just... They might just be kind of chilling and letting the, the tag division thrive as it needs to right now. Because AEW's always had great tag team wrestling. That's never been a problem for them. Um, but I see what you mean. I wish we saw them more, too, because I, I've this is something that I've talked about many times. I used to be the biggest young blockader on the planet. Um, and I'll, I'm going to we'll yeah. flip it before we go into the second half of this conversation where we usually have the whole breakdown like you do. Um, this goes back to New Japan, and the Bucks were worried if they made it or not, and if they were okay with the crowd, because the crowd was quiet on them at most times. Um, I can't remember who did this, but one member of the Bullet Club, before they were part of the Bullet Club or something, they had their shirts for the Young Bucks, and one of the members of the New Japan roster came over called the other guys over, signed the shirts, and told them, because this is when they were moving merch on their own to make money to live in Japan, um, signed it all for them. So then, and he looks at, I think it was Matt, he said it to, and he goes, sold out! You know, he made, in a very Japanese accent. Um, also, if it wasn't for El Generico, a.k.a. Sami Zayn, Matt and Nick Jackson would have never had the wherewithal to sell their own merch at shows and stuff because realistically, I guess Sammy revolutionized bringing and selling his merch on the road. I don't know. Again, I'm sure this has been done for years and Will's the, you know, the historic historian to this. But from what I read is that at the time, El Generico was like, you know, the guy that got the bucks selling their own merch and betting on themselves. And Allison, um, no, they. I said that WWE was going to put them right on the main roster, but they didn't sign with WWE. That's what I was getting at. No, she's talking about Gallus and Anderson, who we never see. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, um, but that's all right. Well, I'm sure we'll see them eventually soon. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, this is kind of where we. I'm just going to go into some fun facts, and one of the first ones was actually the Young Bucks merch strategy. Um, they actually have completely revolutionized the way that ind independent wrestlers can market themselves. Um, they didn't make it in WWE. Uh, they didn't, they lost their contracts with ring of honor. Um, their impact run fell flat. There was a time where they were just kind of floating in no man's land and they needed to stay relevant somehow to keep their career alive. Um, so they actually secured some investors to fund a t-shirt and merch business. Um, and because it was so wildly successful, pro wrestling tees became a thing. Uh, the Chicago-based pro wrestling tees was created by the, one of the main investors in their t-shirt and merch business. So pro wrestling tees wouldn't exist without the Young Bucks. I mean, their shipping sucks, but whatever. <laughs> um, so now indie wrestlers can actually market themselves through pro wrestling tees, which that's a great thing. That's fantastic. Um, and Matt's wife... Matt Jackson's wife, Dana, is actually the chief merchandise and marketing director for AEW now. Her and Matt, um, again, I'm doing a flashback here. Again, reading the <laughs> um, they Matt and her stayed up late into the wee hours of the morning at times, folding shirts, getting them ready. Their living room was full of merchandise. This is before Pro Wrestling Tees took over. Like, they... They were trying to make it for you know their your young ch child at the time because I believe they only had one child at the time, but like they were really you know pushing their own selves and betting on themselves. 
That's the Tony, story of their career. <laughs> and, to, and Tony Collin also offered Matt's wife a job within the company. So that was unheard of too at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, so moving on to like kind of – I don't really know how to segue in this next section. But basically in the early part of their careers, they were labeled as spot monkeys, which looking back at their older matches, they definitely were. Um, they – Kind of when they got to New Japan, New Japan was like, that shit ain't gonna fly here, so you need to tone it down. Um, so their head booker basically said, You need to tone it down so you can preserve your bodies. And they actually actually uh, worked a lot with Carl Anderson, uh, who they had already known from their days in uh, NWA. Um, Carl Anderson actually helped them tone down their style so that they could appease the higher ups and prolong their careers because if they were wrestling the way that they were wrestling, Darby Allen. Um, they're going to, they were going to die. <laughs> um, another fun fact, the name, the elite actually stems from the conversations in the back of tour buses between the bucks and Omega, uh, where they were just on these independent tour buses crossing the country. They would sit in the back and just talk about the greatest wrestlers of all time. And they had called the list that they had made the elite. Uh, so that kind of a funny little thing there that was also another touching on that they also yeah. turned it into an inside joke between the boys where you know they'd have a great meal they go oh man that's elite you know like that was such an inside joke with the boys oh yeah um and the biggest i mean well not the biggest but the last fun fact that i kind of have here we talked about the other ones like triple h uh, offering them contracts um joyce massey talking them out of taking them um, but this one actually kind of threw me for a loop because I didn't know that, that w- this was true, but it is. Uh, the Young Bucks are the only team to win all three of New Japan's tag team championships. They've won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles seven times, the Never Openweight Six-Man Titles three times, and the IWGP Tag Titles just once. But they, they've won all three of them. They dominated the uh, new japan for eight years or more <laughs> right a couple other things you missed on is like the pwg wrestling that they did and some tournaments they did in the western hemisphere there in california right. like you know i can't i can't remember who it was that runs the pwg but he was very against matt jackson for a long time because he didn't mm-hmm. listen to him back back in the yep. day so he refused to book them forever you know Yep. And but they, he eventually, uh, they eventually won him over. So Right. They they had to earn their way back. Was it Excalibur? I don't think it was. I don't know. If that's no, not, it, wasn't I don't think it, was. it was an Excalibur. Um, oh, man. I'd have to find it in the book. The name is there. I just don't feel like grabbing the book. Yeah, I could probably find it while we're discussing stuff. But um, So this is kind of where we get into the roundtable discussion. Uh, there's only three of us, so this should actually go through pretty quickly. Um. Guys, in the chat, feel free to give us your opinions as well. So this is the part where we take each major aspect of their career, of their work rate, excuse me, and just kind of give us our own personal rating on it on a scale of 1 to 10. So the first one is the biggest one, obviously. That's the one that we always want to discuss, especially with guys like this, in-ring skills. So Shadow, I'll let you take that one. Oh, for like. Before I get into the in-ring skills, because I, I want to bring this up, and I wish I would have told Scouts to load this up into the into the grand scheme of things, he still might be able to. But um, sorry, when the they, when they absolutely uh, super kick some poor kid, like that, that made me laugh. <laughs> it was but, great. I remember but anyways, that. But anyways, if I have to get like, they're athletic as fuck. They're they're not the biggest men in the world. They're not bodybuilders, etc. Right. But if I had to give them, we're doing the body of work in the ring, right? I'd give them a solid 8 out of 10 just because of the athleticism that they present. Uh, They're able to do moves that most people even their size can't do. I mean, the Meltzer driver itself is a crazy move in itself. And I think, yeah, here we go. Scal's brought it up. Here we go. We're going to have to see if he gets super kicked. And it's someone's birthday, huh? Eight years old? Nine. Nine. Oh, my goodness. Happy birthday. Luke, right? It's so nice to meet you, man. What was your name? J- Jason? Jeff. Jeff. Je- I knew it was a J. Jeff. I knew it was a J. I knew it was a J. Hey, thank you so much 
for bringing them out today to this show. Thank you so much, guys. Is it going like super slow for people in frame on screen too? Yeah, it's a little, it's yeah. very pixely. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> the Young Bucks get super kick around Jeff Maverick and his son is taking a hit. Wow, look at this. His son is taking it to the Young Bucks. <laughs> oh, man. They are getting their butt kicked. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Oh, my Oh, my we didn't even get to see it because yeah, the frames not, are so bad on freaking, it. Get it out of there. <laughs> that's uh, all right. <laughs> but yeah, um, I said an eight, eight out of ten for in ring for me. Okay, Sean, what do you think? Uh, in ring? Yeah, I'm gonna be that guy. Hence the the little subtitle under my name. I'm gonna give it a ten out of ten. In ring work. All right. See, I'm actually right in the middle. I gave it a nine. Um, I don't think they're they're not the most technically proficient wrestlers ever. Um, but again, that's not all that you need to be a great wrestler. Uh, in-ring skills can be brawling ability, submission ability, technical ability, high flying, you name it. They're some of the greatest high flyers. They work incredibly fast paced. Um, so their cardio has to be off the charts. Um, but I'd say a nine. Just because there's no, per I don't think they're perfect, but Sean clearly does. He's over there stroking his salami over there. All right. <laughs> um, this one might be a little tricky, but how would you rate their babyface work? Shadow, start with I'm you. not a big fan. I'm not really a big fan of their babyface stuff at all. I feel like, and that'll be the next subject I know, but I feel like their heel work is just like, but for babyface, I'm going to give it. I'll cut it down the middle because they can work it well. So five, five, Sean. I was actually gonna agree with Shadow. I was thinking five because even when they're babyface, they're they still kind of act heelish. You know what I mean? Like it's still kind of like cocky, some bitches. So rightfully so. But you know, uh, a five out of ten. Uh, I, I like their heel work a lot better. Oh yeah. So I think. This we actually kind of put it all right there at the same. I said five also. Um, just because even when they're baby faces, like, yeah, sure, they can work baby face, they can get cheered by the crowd. Everyone loves and respects them. <coughs> it's just there's there's a lack of fun with it. It seems like they're not having as much fun, and as a result, we don't have as much fun. So that's why I say five out of ten. Yeah. Um, so that kind of will transition us over to heel work, shadow. The heel work, it's not a perfect ten, but it's a solid eight and a half out of ten. Okay. I feel like they play the villain well, right. you know. They introduce thumbtack Jordans and all that sort of <laughs> stuff when they're having fun with their I heel stuff. So you know, they're the only man I, I mean, if they sold, you know, young buck tack shoes, I'd probably try to buy a pair just to kick people in the face with. But oh uh, yeah, I give it a solid eight and a half out of ten. John? Just to be clear, whether they're baby or heel, I love what they do when they incorporate it into their B BTE show, um, whether they're baby or heel. And uh, for me, their heel work is is beyond their baby face work, of course. I'm going to have to give them a nine. They're not perfect, but I'm going to give them a nine for their their heel work. Okay. I uh, I said a nine also. Um, their heel work is, I think their heel work is phenomenal, especially because, uh, just the way they present themselves to begin with the bright colors, the, they, they peacocking, basically the cocky, arrogant strutting. And like the second they walk out, you're like, I hate these guys. Like they're, they're really good at making you hate them and want to punch them in the fucking head. Um, Jesus, Jamie, Sean is orgasmic for the young cucks that, that there's so much wrong with that. <laughs> but also so much right with it. So, yeah. But before you go into the next subject matter, I thought of another nine. fun fact. <laughs> I thought of another fun fact after before you go into the next subject matter. Um, and it goes back because what Sean just said with the, B, the BTE stuff. Um, they started that as just a way to keep themselves busy on the road in Japan and show people what it's like to be a wrestler in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. And yep. it has become one of the best fucking YouTube shows ever. <laughs> right. 
I, I personally, as much as I love the new day, I think it's better than up, up, down, down. I will just say I think that. that's but, fair, but is that because up, up, down, down is more specific to gaming? Be, right. Uh, it's more got its own, yeah, it's definitely got its own like niche. Um, right. So, promo work. This is kind of where it gets a little tricky because they don't cut promos very often. Like They rarely have mics in their hand. But when they do, they're solid. But, yeah, Shadow, I'll let you go ahead. I'm not – see, they're one of the few wrestlers where their wrestling does more of the talking than their actual talking. Right. And for me, their promo work, it could use work. Um, I'm not going to give it a five. I'm not going to give it, like, a five or a six. I'm going to give it a four and a half just because there's so much room for improvement. Like, they deliver well and everything when they're speaking. Like, it's clear you understand what their message is. But I, I just can't get emotionally behind what they're saying at times. So, Sean, huh. what do you think? Um, we're doing promos, right? Sorry, I had Promo technical ability, difficulties yeah. with the internet here. Uh, the promos they 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 kind of lack. Still, they do. Don't get me wrong. They they're. I'm gonna go with a seven. Because it's 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 half and half. They can do good work, and sometimes they can do, you know, not so not so good promo work. So I'm gonna go with a seven with the the young bucks. Okay, I uh, I threw a six at them, and I thought that was generous. Um, and the reason I gave them a six is because they're they are very like naturally charismatic people. Like they're very the energy is there, the passion is there. You know they're enjoying themselves. They're kind of bland when they're on the microphone, but I will say that when they're just being themselves in like video packages or um, on BTE, something like that, they're it, it's ten. It's a ten out of ten. Like they're wildly entertaining. So I think that 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 brings them up a little bit, but because their ability to cut a promo on a live mic is not great, six. Um, but then we'll hop over to kind of just average it all out an overall body of work. What would you say, Shadow? You know, give it like everything from what we started to realize of the of the Bucks to current day product overall. Bringing everything together, I'd give them nine, eight point seven out of ten. I feel like that one point three percent, one point three percent is really like because they're not done. By any means, they still have a few more years left in them before they probably hang them up. And by then, we could probably say 10 out of 10. Right. But right now, 8.7 out of 10. <clears throat> I feel that. Shadow? Shadow, Shadow. Sean? <laughs> uh, like I said, under the name, I'm going to give them a 9.5 out of 10 overall. <laughs> <laughs> of course um <laughs> i said uh i said an eight and a half um i think overall they're leaving a legacy as one of the greatest tag teams of all time you could make an argument that they're the best tag team of all time and i would listen to it um not gonna agree with it maybe but i i, I would listen to it and i could respect it you know what i mean like that's the they're, kind of legacy they've left they have a legitimate they're definitely in that conversation that. Like, Absolutely, like I, they 100% are on the level of someone like the Legion of Doom or the Briscoes or the, the Usos, Rockers, you know, something like that. They're on my the Mount Rockers, Rushmore. Yeah, they are the Mount Rushmore, bunch. Very <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, so, what are some of your favorite Young Buck promos or moments? Shadow. Like I said when I was when I was talking about their heel work, the fact that they incorporated like thumbtacks into shoes, and I mean going back to when they were in the indies before AEW was a thing, I think it was GCW or something where they kicked Candice LeRae right in the face, and he got and I think it was Matt that did it, and Matt's wife absolutely destroyed him for that, and he felt so bad that he busted Candice like that because I guess they just missed the mark by like a half an inch or something. And it actually really fucked her up. Right. Yeah, that was PWG. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. There's PWG. And like, they just missed the mark and he felt super bad and he kept apologizing to Candice and stuff backstage. Um, another favorite moment, we had Scals try to load in the video, but the frame rate was worse than my internet. Um, is the super kick to the kid. I mean, it's, it's just so funny. Like, That's funny. They definitely got that from Shawn Michaels when Shawn Michaels kicked that kid in the face when he was being a chef and he was supposed to be retired. But still, I love it. What's up, Mike? They obviously are. They obviously they they they've not been shy in their admiration and inspiration that they took from Shawn Michaels. So well, and and Marty Jannetty, unfortunately, there's nothing to give. We have to give him credit there too. Right, the whole and Sean, we got. I'm gonna try and have you narrow it down to like two, because <laughs> you probably have a trillion. Um, well, I'm gonna. It's not really like promos, but it's stuff from like BTE. Like when uh, one of my, I'm just gonna keep it to like one. It's when like they used to like try and like kill people off on their show with like spiking monster bottles and stuff. <laughs> and then when they uh, did they do that uh, to Adam Cole? Yeah, they they killed Adam Cole. And um, they tried to om- they almost killed Tomatonga. So, <laughs> so that the, most funny. of the BT stuff is my favorite stuff. Unrelated, but I know that Luchasaurus got beheaded in Lucha Underground. Yeah, he did. I don't remember who did it to him. I don't remember who did it to him, but someone beheaded him in Lucha Underground. Like he was, you know, obviously I think it was Johnny Mundo. No, it was Ty of Valkyrie. Ty Probably. Valkyrie. Yeah. Johnny Many Names, right? Oh, it was Ty Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. That's his wife, yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. What would you say? Well, actually, I guess my favorite moment, I'm a little biased because of recency because my, I hated the Young Bucks for the longest time. I loved when they um, I loved when they returned with Carry On Wayward Son with Omega as their entrance. That was fucking cool, especially when you know how much they love that song and the kind of... It's got a deep connection to it because of their dad. Right. Um, And then another one of my favorite moments was just a really small and quick one that happened. And he's done it a couple of times since. But when he brought out the thumbtack Jordan for the first time and he licked the bottom of it, fucking hilarious. I lost my shit when he did that. I'm pretty sure the crowd chanted, Um, you sick fuck during that. Did they not? They did. They did. They did. Um, so, what was your favorite? This is going to be one that's going to be hard to narrow down to for some of you, I'm sure, uh, in the chat. But what is your favorite Young Buck match, Shadow? So, I'm going to say this because there's a few I have, but I feel like it'll resonate with a lot of people. The all in one before it was AEW. The match they put on was an absolute clinic of ability and just showing what the Bucks could do and showing Meltzer. Fuck you, indie indie guys can rule this this game too. They definitely had a chip on their shoulder. Um, Sean, what do you think? I'm gonna go with the series of matches they have with the Briscoes in Ring of Honor. Like uh, them two always they, put on they classics. The house, yeah. So my favorite match that the Young Bucks had was actually the match that finally made me think, okay, these guys are fucking so- – they're something else. They're great. I like them. And it was the Steel Cage match versus the Lucha Brothers at All Out 2021. Oh, that's a good that one. That match was absolutely fucking insane. There was such great – like, a close second to me was uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks at – I think it was the very first all uh, AEW pay-per-view, if I'm not mistaken – um, for the tag titles, that one was great too. But I think the the match with the Lucha Brothers just hit every possible aspect of a match you could want: um, violence, risk taking, technical wrestling, submission wrestling, brawling. Like there was everything you could possibly want in a match, and it just blew the roof off the place. And if you haven't seen that match, go watch it. Yeah, um, that was an speaking of matches clinic. that we haven't. Yeah, it was. Uh, speaking of matches we haven't seen, what are uh, what's a dream match you'd like to see them in, Shadow? 
I, I think this is goes without saying because we have the whole divide as it is. Too obvious. But the, but the Usos versus the Young Bucks. And fun fact, we have technically, well, we might not have, but they, it has happened. It has happened in WWE in a dark match style. It has happened. It's just. Yeah. It's, but they were both very young. So, I mean, you bring it to the forefront now. It's definitely the Bucks and Usos for supremacy of who's the greatest tag team in the modern era of tag team wrestling. Because you can and swap perhaps, out the perhaps Bucks. of all time, right? You can swap out the Bucks and you can swap out the Usos for one two on a list, and nobody's gonna bat an eye at that, right? Because we haven't seen those. We've seen Young Bucks FTR many times. We've seen Young Bucks and the Briscoes many times. We've seen Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers many times. We've never seen them mix it up with guys like the Usos and guys like the New Day, and that would just be incredible to see. Um, what Wait, do you think, Sean? Before Sean goes, sorry, Sean. We technically have got a little glimpse into the Elite versus the New Day, but that's at a, a gaming stage where they battled in a game console. Right. Right. The fact that they're all friends makes me happy, though. Right. Sorry, Sean. Go ahead. I'm going to throw it, it for – it's it's not the Usos because you stole that from me, Shadows. So <laughs> I'm going to go because we see everyone's general – this. Yeah, we've seen them with the Hardys. That's that's perfect. But Edge and Overly Christian. Done. Edge and Christian. Like a but, prime Edge and Christian or Edge and Christian now? <laughs> uh, even now. <coughs> they both still can go. I mean, they, um, they both still work at a very high level. So I would right. I, I feel that. I would like to see Edge um, and Christian I versus said the they, Young Bucks. Go ahead. Right. I uh, I said the Usos, and then I also said the Rockers, like Sean and Marty. As much oh, as yeah. Marty Jannetty is insane and batshit <laughs> crazy, back then, that version of the Rockers, fuck yeah. With the mullets and everything, hell yeah. Um, so before we kind of sign off, I got a couple of bonus questions for you guys. So everyone likes to build like a Mount Rushmore. Ooh, the Von Erics. I like that. I like that. Okay, anyways. Um, everyone kind of establishes their own personal Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. Uh, you know, guys like Cena, Hogan, uh, Steve Austin, The Rock, people like that. They're on the individual Mount Rushmores. If there was to be a Mount Rushmore of tag teams, are the Young Bucks on it for you? And that's all across wrestling, obviously. It's any company. Are they on it? And if they are, what other three teams would you put with them? Shadow, I'll let you go. I say yes, and my reasoning behind it is, like we alluded to in the conversation of the whole career retrospective, they revolutionized what it is to be an independent wrestler. They opened the door for a lot of <laughs> indie guys and tag teams alike to merchandise themselves and bet on themselves when the world was just WWE. You know what I mean? Like, there was the end-all, be-all. And the Bucks even said it was the end-all, be-all. You know what I mean? Like... Now it's different, obviously, for many reasons. Um, so for me, the Mount Rushmore would be the Bucks, the Usos, um, Legion of Doom, and uh, the Rockers. That's my top four right there. Okay. Sean. Mine is probably going to be way out there for y'all. Mine's going to be the New Age Outlaws, the Hardys. <laughs> Gorillas of Destiny and um, the Young Bucks. Gorilla, Gorillas of Destiny are the some wild fucking people, though. That's a good choice. I respect that I, choice. Yeah, Nate, have you ever seen any of the Gorillas of Destiny stuff? Like they're they're kind of crazy. Oh yeah, they're fucking wild. I, I love that pick actually. Um, so I absolutely put the Young Bucks on mine too, and I put them. I think everyone can agree with the Usos being on there. Um, the Legion of Doom slash Road Warriors. I put them on there also. And I was having trouble between the Rockers and the Briscoes. But just because of their longevity, I picked the Briscoes and the fact that they anchored Ring of Honor for 15 years. Um, I think that has a much bigger – it's a much bigger deciding factor for me, the fact that they were able to do that. Because um, they were – I mean, it's arguably because of them that Ring of Honor thrived as much as it did in the mid-2000s, early 2010s. 
Um, yeah. Without them, I don't know if that happens as much as it does. Like they were the one constant on Ring of Honor that was always there. Um, so I picked the Briscoes as the fourth. The reason I threw um, up the I think we can all just agree with this. The reason I threw up the Rockers, but and I say it like this: the reason the Rockers are on the top four of what I'm explaining my top or Rushmore is because without the Rockers, we don't get the Young Bucks. That's true. You know, we might have got Nick and you Matt Jackson wrong. as independent, like independent wrestlers, but I don't think we get what we know today as the Young Bucks. You know, I could actually, I you know what, Scals, I respect the Steiners as a pick. Absolutely, they were huge. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, I mean, I think this is a pretty easy question for all of us to answer, but do you think the Young Bucks made the right move not jumping to WWE in 2018? Yes. Yeah, I think we can all agree that that's yes. It proves that you don't need WWE to be successful. Exactly. And as much as, like, the final question that I had was, would you want to see them – as just the two of them or with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, would you like to see them make the jump to WWE at any point? And I feel like that's a tough question to answer because while yes, personally, I would love to see it. I don't know if they want, I I don't know if they want to like change the legacy that they've left on independent wrestling and by going to the big guys, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's what they want to do, but I'm torn on that. What do you guys uh, think? The way I'll say it is this. If they gave it the full Cody treatment and they have full control over their characters, obviously that's probably not going to happen. But, like, you know they want Kenny. You know they want the Bucks. Hangman would just kind of be like, yeah, you're coming because, well, we want the other three. Hangman would fall to the wayside, unfortunately, when it comes to WWE. Um, But Kenny and and the Bucks would be absolute megastars over there. Like they already are mega stars, don't get me wrong, but they'd be pushed to the moon in WWE. We would see Kenny Omega inside of a year being the world champion, whatever championship. We'd see the Bucks oh. running Shaw on the tag team division. So while I say the I Bucks want to see show them, up and feud with the Usos right away. Right. Would I want to see them in WWE? Yes. Do I think it would tarnish their legacy? Yes. So for me, it's a yes, but a heavier no. It, I'd say yes, but I, I don't I don't think that I, like I'm not gonna be upset if they never do. Like no. I'm not I'm I'm happy with them not being there. I'd, I'd be ecstatic if they were. But right. I'm I'm happy with them not. Sean, what do you think? We'll let you finish this one off. At this point because I know you'd love to finish off the young Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Nate. <laughs> at this point in time, no, not at all. They're they're doing amazing things with AEW. Uh, they're they're breaking ceilings that never thought could be broken outside of WWE. So um, obviously, with the help of Tony Khan. So um, if something God forbid happens to AEW, then maybe. But at this time, no, not at all. So Nate, because you usually end this typically with this question, but I'm going to switch up the word on it. Do the Young Bucks go into a pro wrestling Hall of Fame? I'm not saying WWE because I, I got backlash every time I try to say WWE on that. So I'm just saying pro wrestling Hall of Fame. Do the Young Bucks go in? I do. There is. I'm pretty sure there is a pro wrestling Hall of Fame outside of WWE. I just don't know where it is. Let me see. Hold on. Las Vegas. It's the Cauliflower Alley. Yeah, the pro, uh, there's a Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum in Wichita Falls, Texas. Hmm. PWHF. It's a nonprofit organization. Hell yeah. Um, but, but yeah, think I think one hundred percent they are. Yeah, hundred percent. Sean, definitely hundred percent. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Like I said when I was stating what we were just stating. They revolutionized what it is to be a, a independent wrestler, you know, and to me that's right. that's trailblazing, right? So they're the only they're the only tag team in history to never go to the WWE and still make well over seven figures. Really? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so with that being said, everybody, uh, before we sign off here, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, always, always, always leave us comments. Please leave us comments. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, let us know what you think. Let us know what wrestlers you want us to talk about. We love this. This is one of the most fun things that we get to do is just picking apart the careers of some of our favorite and least favorite wrestlers. Future Hall of Famer Dominic Mysterio. We love him. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean. Um, but I think the Young Bucks have established quite a legacy as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And in my opinion, the best tag team of all time to never work under contract for WWE. I think that's safe assumption. If anyone else disagrees, that's fine. The Briscoes could be an argument for that also. Um, but other than that, I can't really think of another tag team that gets up that that's on that level. Um, You're hard you pressed to find one. <laughs> Straight up hard pressed. <clears throat> I mean, outside of WWE, it's the Young Bucks, the Briscoes, and then a bunch of really, really good independent tag teams, but not truly legendary and it's tough to be legendary in the world of independent wrestling um i guess AEW doesn't necessarily count as independent but you know what i mean um outside of wwe the wwe bubble because they keep themselves kind of closed off um so yeah definitely guys if you see us on tiktok youtube wherever leave us comments who you want us to talk about we would love to take it into consideration and we'll definitely get to it at some point um with that being said, Sean, where can we find you, my man? Well, first off, I'm going to leave with saying, if you ever get the chance to meet the Young Bucks, like me, I met them like three or four times. They're amazing people. Um, you met them in their I'm... hotel room? <laughs> oh, my God. No. no, no, no. <laughs> um, they're amazing people. They didn't make it out always... of the parking lot. <laughs> they always remember you. Um, but you can find me on TikTok. Just search my name. I don't want to go through all the fucking TikToks I have because – I'm on my backup account right now, so uh, it, click the link in my bio. There, all right, yeah, right there. And click the link in my bio. Buy my merch. Buy my Instagram. Well, not buy my Instagram. But follow my. Instagram. <laughs> what is happening? What is? What are you doing on your Instagram, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Donate to his GoFundMe to go meet the Young Bucks in their hotel rooms across the country. <laughs> Shadow, where can we find you? Don't answer that because we already know. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to do my whole spiel tonight. I enjoyed the show. I'm in a good mood. Uh, you can check me out tomorrow, though, right here on Off the Top Media on YouTube, where I drop an episode of two independent wrestlers from Northlands Wrestling up here in Canada, Tommy McLeod and Rusty Blackwell. We uh, those are we the most great Canadian names I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a great interview. They're super nice guys, and you guys should check it out. And, uh, you know, we have our shows that are coming up through the week. You see scrolling across the bottom. If you like what we do here, make sure to head over to our merch shop, buy some merch, keep our lights on, you know, subscribe to our Patreon. Just just be here and support young guys, because like the Bucks, we're betting on ourselves. Hell yeah. Um Thank you very much for that shadow. And as always, you can find me on TikTok, Walmart Youngbug. Um, Nate McNamara, WB. You can find me at the Wrestle Bros. I got another, we have another match upcoming in a couple of weeks. I'll get you guys some more information on that when it becomes available. Um, Instagram, whatever. Don't follow me if I don't know you because I'll block you. Fuck you. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, we'll see you next time. I will have an announcement in the next few days. Me and Shadow, we're going to discuss which wrestler we want to do next. We haven't figured it out quite yet. The last week or so, obviously, as everyone knows, has been kind of hectic for wrestling fans. Um, so just hang out with us for a little while. We'll uh, we'll give you guys a uh, an update on that in the next few days. We'll let you know who's who's next. I Thank do you guys say, so much. Have I do want to say one more yeah. thing before we head out. Make sure you support everybody on Rivet City Radio from the Table Spot, Princess Movie Corner, Cam G, The Boom, uh, Boss Bitch Trivia. The botch spots and chair shots with Will Gray and all that stuff. And make sure you hit like, subscribe, those bell notifications. Make sure you're in our Discord chatting with us. And we will get back to you as we see them coming through. And for all of us here at the Career Retrospective, it's a super kick party!